0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope this Ask Carrie, as we're calling them, helps you lead like never before. And I love the questions that you guys leave. I got to tell you, it's a little overwhelming. There is something like a hundred in the bank right now that we've got to get to at some point, and we will continue to release bonus episodes like this one. But I hope today finds you well. Hey, I just want you to know we have something really exciting happening next week on Monday, January 16th. Uh, We are going to be relaunching for the final time this season, The High Impact Leader. That is an online course that I created, and it is all about getting time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. When I talk to church leaders, the number one issue that seems to come up is just time management. People are like, I got a heart for this. I love doing it. But man, I'll tell you, I start out with a to-do list. It never gets done. People hijack my priorities. I mean, what happens when people are always asking you to make a hospital visit or they want you to be on a meeting, that in on a meeting that you don't necessarily need to be in on? Or, um, you know, how come I never get a day off? I'm always writing my message on my day off or working on that special project on my day off. And after hearing that a lot, and honestly, having lived through it for a decade, I thought, you know what, it's time to do something about it. And that is the heart behind the high-impact leader. It's all about getting time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. And I think as some of you know, you know what I've told you is over the last couple of years, the number one question I've been getting is, how do you get everything that you get done done? Like this podcast, bonus episodes. You blog. I'm working on a brand new book, actually, which should come out in 2018. I teach full-time at my church. I was a lead pastor for many years when I was doing this stuff. Now I'm the founding teaching pastor. I speak. You know, how, how do you get all that stuff done? And I answered it so many times, I thought, you know what? I think I'll put it in a course. And so I've spent a, a lot of time and money actually investing in time, energy, and priority management. So I wanted to make that available for you. And this is a course that you can do anytime online. Uh, The course is yours forever once you purchase it. But the purchase window is narrow. And actually, on Monday, January 16th, it's going to open and you have an opportunity to purchase the High Impact Leader until Thursday, January 19th. And then that's it. It's going to go away. It'll be at the best price it'll be for a little while. And uh, we're looking at maybe bringing it back, to, oh, later this year, but we're not exactly sure when, but it's going to disappear for a while. So I know over 1,300 people have already jumped in on the High Impact Leader, which is super exciting. Uh, and if you missed out, hey, you, this is your opportunity next week, the 16th through the 19th. So what I want to do today, though, in this episode is I want to answer as many productivity, burnout slash life related questions that have piled up as possible. So I'm going to give you some free tips on that. If you find the advice helpful, well, the high impact leader might help you take the conversation just a little bit further, which would be awesome. Also, just so you know, and we won't know until Monday, but my team has been hustling really, really hard right up until launch day to try to get the team edition of the high impact leader launch now what do i mean by that well i designed it as an original course but so many of you have asked for a team edition in other words can i walk my whole staff through this can i walk you know all my volunteers through this so make sure you check back on monday and we'll have the final word on that but we are working really hard and i'd say there's a good chance it will actually launch with a team edition and in the meantime, you can certainly buy individual copies. So you can go to the highimpactleader.com for more information. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any of this, if you're listening to this uh, prior to the 16th, jump on the waitlist. Just go to the highimpactleader.com and uh, fill out your name and leave us your email. You'll get on a waitlist and we'll let you know when this thing releases and and when you can get it. And that way you don't miss a thing because I know how busy life is. So without further ado, let's jump into some of your questions. We're going to start with Lucas. And Lucas asked the question, you know, all these productivity people, um, is this just for people like who are single? Like how how do you apply this when you have kids and you're married and your kids are young? Uh, Great question. Let's hear it from Lucas in his words.
1: Hi, Carrie. I have been
0: enjoying your high impact leader course. I am wondering if you have any suggestions, tips, and or life hacks for applying the material for a leader slash pastor with a young family. Personally, I have three kids, ages six, three, and one. Thank you, Lucas Branstad. Lucas, that's almost always part of the dialogue when I talk to people because, you know, I'm a little bit older now. My kids are 25 and 21. They're out of the house. Well, not every summer, but... My youngest son comes back from time to time. But sure, it is a totally different stage. It has been a long, long time since I've changed a diaper, uh, since I had toddlers, you know, clinging to my legs. I, I understand that. And I remember that season incredibly well. That was also the season in which, you know, my habits led to a burnout, which is why I am so passionate about helping leaders avoid that. So here, here's a couple things. Number one, I would say... You've got to adjust your expectations. Like I know I do the blog, the podcast, write books, speak, etc. You know, right now I'm basically building into my marriage. And obviously I'm still a dad, but I see my kids from time to time. They don't live in the same city and we get together. Like, for example, last night we got together in Toronto. We went to a movie. We went to dinner. We hung out. Uh, we, we had dessert together. It was incredible. It was great. They were, they were home over the holidays. I mean, I see them, but it is not the same as the 24-7 period you have when your kids are young. So what I would say is, make sure you don't look at people in a different stage of life and say, I should be able to accomplish all of that. Now, That said, I was holding down a full-time job of a growing church and wrote my first book at the same time, When Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, which was my first book seven years ago. When it came out, my kids were still at home. Now, they were a little bit older. They weren't toddlers. But when I look back on my early 30s, I probably could have written a book. I probably could have launched a podcast. But my time management skills were just not very strong. And so after I burned out, I was about 40, 41 when I burned out. 11 years ago, uh, I came out of that and said, I've got to find a new way to do this. And that's where, you know, I started to take a very different approach to time management. I started to monitor my energy. I realized, oh my goodness, five in the morning till 10 in the morning is my most productive window. And as soon as I started making those shifts, oh my goodness, my productivity skyrocketed. And I, I discovered I could get my message written a lot faster. I could take on some other projects I'd been longing to do. And uh, most of my books, well, actually all the books I've written have been written in those early hours in the morning, really before the workday begins. Now, you may not get three early morning hours before your kids get up, Lucas, but I bet you can find one. I bet you can find two. And instead of wasting that first hour of the day on email, uh, spend it on something like spend it, if you're a preacher, spend it on your message. Or if you want to write a book or do a blog or, you know, there's some big project you got to tackle do that because email can wait. You can do that at noon or you know, just check in later on to make sure you're not missing any fires. And truly, if it is a fire, somebody's going to text you. Somebody's going to call you. And I made the mistake in those early years of actually doing my email first thing in the morning. I thought that was being productive. And I've, I've realized, nah, it's not. I just check it very quickly first thing to make sure there are no fires. But honestly, you probably don't even need to do that. So I would I would think about your life, Lucas, in seasons, and I would say, okay, in this season, what is God accomplishing, or, or you know, calling me to accomplish? Now, clearly, one of the things He's calling you to accomplish is to be a great dad and a great husband, and so you've got to look at that. And this is, you know, the high impact leader course is not just about. Work. It has a lot to do about work, but has an awful lot to do with having a higher impact at home. And how do you bring your best energy to your family and to your kids and not continually sacrifice them? Because I think most of us probably know hey, it's pretty easy to give your best at work and then like have nothing but leftovers for your family. And that's a massive fail. You can't do that. So hopefully, the principles in the course really help you navigate that. And certainly, as I become more aware, they've really helped me. And if I have one regret, I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but what I wish, and you talk to anybody who's a little bit older, they'll tell you this. I wish I knew then what I know now, because had I known what I know now, there are things I would have done differently in my twenties and thirties that might've meant a a little less distraction and a little more focus for my kids. And I hope that's what you find in the course as you go through it, Lucas. So thank you so much for the question. You are not alone in asking that question. And uh, I'm very, very thankful that you asked it. And hopefully that helps all of you who are in a different season of life than me. Uh, oh, one more thing I was going to say about that, too, is, you know, don't discount it just because your kids are young. Like uh, one of my friends and a frequent podcast guest, John Acuff, I mean, he's written a couple of New York Times bestselling books when his kids were younger. His, his daughters are now only at the middle school age. And John's got what four or five best-selling books over the last seven or eight years. I mean, he's done an unbelievable job. You can accomplish a lot more than you think. So that's what I would encourage you: apply the principles ruthlessly. But then again, decide on your goals. You may never want to write a book. That's okay. You but but you should be able to get more done in less time. That's kind of the goal. Okay, we're gonna jump into a question from Christy in Minneapolis.
2: Hey, Carrie. Um, this is Christy Geiger from minneapolis minnesota and i was uh we really enjoy your podcast and your thoughts thank you for all your time energy and effort to share them with the rest of us in church leadership um question I Was reading your book on how to uh, lead change without losing your mind and in i think it's the fifth and the last chapter around how do you know when to let go and to move on versus when you're, you're, you're jumping ship um, through the toughness of change, when you should stay and persevere. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how to know when it's time to move on because there's too many change resistors, so to speak, or um, if there's other faculty and staff, let's say, um, in a organization like how many people need to be on board versus is that all part of the change?
0: Okay, Christy, thanks so much for that question. And shout out to everybody in Minneapolis, which many people, when I've been in Minneapolis before, they're like, we're a little Canada and it kind of feels like Ontario. Anyway, that's what I would say. Uh, thanks. Yeah, that was a book I wrote a couple years ago, uh, Leading Change Without Losing It. And I remember that chapter very, very well. And here's, here's my theory. I think a lot of people quit moments before their critical breakthrough. Now, sometimes the time to quit, uh, and we're going to look at it from two angles. Sometimes it really is time to go. I mean, your time is done. So when, when is it a good time to go? And you're asking the question about, you know, is everybody on board or there's just too much change and you've got resistors. And that's what I wrote that book to address. But I would say there's a couple of, of, of reasons to move on. When things are kind of breaking down, first of all, if there's a fundamental incompatibility between you and your board uh, or the majority group in the church that you can't get past, that may be a sign it's time to move on when you just can't scale the obstacles. Because an organization long-term that really has significantly competing visions is never going to thrive. And you may think your vision is better, and obviously other people think their vision is better. But where you have dueling visions, somebody's going to lose. And and really, the mission loses. So if that is your situation, it may be time to move on. I'm always hesitant to give advice, particularly because I get asked all the time, like, it's time for me to go. I'm the worst person to assess that. And what I would suggest, Christy, is what I suggest to everybody. Find some people around you who know you, who love you, who love your church, love the people involved, and ask them, because I find sometimes God speaks through other people, and we just need to listen. I don't know your situation, but other people do, and so that might help. But I would say, long-term, if you have competing visions, it's going to be a really tough thing. Now, one of the reasons I wrote the chapter on not quitting before your critical breakthrough is because so many leaders quit before their critical breakthrough. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons a lot of leaders quit before their calling is done is because they can't handle the problems of daily leadership. They just get overwhelmed, they get tired, they get you know, overburdened, and they think, you know what, this ministry is unsustainable, I can't do it anymore, I'm discouraged, I'm defeated, I'm not resting, maybe I'm burning out. And so I'm just going to go, and I'm going to start at a brand new church, and I'm sure it'll be better. And I think to a certain extent, what happens is that people end up just exporting their problems to the new situation, their unresolved problems. So to switch metaphors, I mean, if if you were married, you've seen people do this, right? It's like, oh, my current spouse is terrible. It's no good. Uh, we're going to split up. I'll, I'll find somebody new and it will be better. And of course, what happens, and you know this, right? It's like, well, then you take all your unresolved issues and you bring them to a new relationship. And that's what I want to avoid. And so I think that can be a real problem in church world where it's like, I've never bothered to look in the mirror or even solve my own problems before I moved on. Now, when you look at overwhelm, burnout, you know, lack of rest, uh, frustration, conflict, what usually happens is leaders have failed to prioritize rest. And one of the things the high-impact leader, I, I think, is designed to do is to help you figure out what are my priorities and then how, I'm gonna, how am I actually going to set time aside to get them done. One of the things I did not do well before I learned all the principles in that course is is rest well. I've done a much better job resting. In fact, I mentioned we went to the movies yesterday. True, true confession. Do you know what I did for the first half hour of the movie, because it was Sunday afternoon. I slept. Now, I didn't feel bad about that. That was intentional. But I wanted to be awake and alert with my kids and wife at dinner. And I'm like, I can always watch the movie later. So it was a really comfortable theater. We relaxed. It was awesome. So long story short, um, you got to figure out your priorities. I would try to get your own life, your own house in order. Um, Ask the hard questions. Make sure you're getting enough rest. As I always tell leaders, Never make a critical decision like leaving on a bad day. Make it on a good day. And sometimes, some of you, it's been a long time since you had a good day. Get your house in order. Make it on a good day. And then you'll be able to see clearly whether it's an opportunity to really dig in deeper and go one more round or uh, whether it's time to move on. Hope that helps. And now we move on to a uh, question from Gail, who's got a, a really good question about strengths and weaknesses. So Gail, take it away.
1: Hi, Carrie. This is Gail Holt, the Crossroads Bible Fellowship in Moriarty, New Mexico. I have a church that has been bouncing back and forth the 200 uh, level for some time now. And when it comes down to it, I realize I just absolutely suck when it comes to administration. I'm not an organized person. I I'm not disciplined. I only take care of things when I absolutely have to as far as administrative things go. I really think it would be a good idea if we moved to an maybe even an executive pastor or someone who took over the administrative responsibilities, but I'm not really sure how to even go about making that transition, Uh, finding a person who is disciplined and detailed enough that would be able to work with somebody who's as scattered as I am. So any suggestions you have would be awesome. Thanks.
0: Gail. I think you may actually hold the current record for most Ask Carrie questions answered. Uh, but then you ask good questions. And one of the things that drew me to your question to answering this one was just your honesty. Thanks for being so real, man. Okay. So you're not organized, you're not disciplined. That's good to know. But I know you lead a growing church and you bring something to the table. And it's really important for you to figure that out. See, when your church is little and there's a lot of church planters listening, and I planted a church, I pastored a small church. I mean, you kind of are a jack of all trades, and then what happens as it grows, or at least what I've experienced as as the church grows, is you begin to realize pretty quickly. Okay, I'm not as good at everything I thought I was. So, uh, and it may not even be a characteristic like organization, but maybe you thought you were really good at like picking songs or programming a service until you get somebody who's really good at it, and then it's like, oh, I guess I guess I'm not very good. Like. Ideally, what will happen in your organization, and I say ideally because it sounds threatening, but it's not. But ideally, what will happen is that almost everybody will do something better than you, except for one or two things. And in my case, I, I probably the only thing left that I'm I'm as good or better at than others in the organization is communication and occasionally vision casting. And I have the ability to raise money as well and keep a team aligned. So those are the three or four things that probably where I add the most value to the organization. What I would say to you, Gail, is what is that for you? And it'll be a totally different list. Maybe it is preaching. Maybe it's not preaching. Maybe it is the ability to inspire a team. Maybe it is strategy. I mean, I don't know, but Sometimes you can figure that out by yourself just through incredible self-awareness. But I think it always goes better, even if you're self-aware, to have other people weigh in on that. And in the High Impact Leader course, I walk you through an exercise on how to do that. Because part of figuring out what I was supposed to do with my time was figuring out Where do I add the most value? And there was a joke around the office for a while that I don't think I add value anywhere. So I don't even know why I I still work here, right? You can get into that space. But the reality is you do add value somewhere. And sometimes your colleagues help you see it even more clearly than you do. And that's where we came up with that short list of you know Where I added the most value or add the most value to Connexus is when I'm communicating well, when the vision is clear, when the team is aligned, and we've got the resources to do what we do, uh, we're doing well as a church. And so my job was to do those things. And then the big idea in the High Impact Leader course is... You have to figure out what you're best at. So Gail, that's what I would say your next step is. You got to figure out what you're best at. And again, I just told you a little bit on how to do that. Get the team to help you figure that out. But then the second part is do what you're best at when you're at your best. That is the big idea behind the High Impact Leader course. And that's where I got most of my leverage. So what I started to do, if I realized that communication was really important, again, I've already talked about this, but if I'm best from five in the morning till 10 in the morning. And you may be best from 10 at night till two in the morning, or, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon till six o'clock. I don't know when your window is, but then what you should do is you should do what you're best at when you're at your best. So I should write my message in the morning because it will be a better message. I will have clearer thinking. That's just true of me. than if I try to do it at three o'clock in the afternoon, when I'm falling asleep at my laptop, that that's just reality. So do what you're best at when you're at your best. So what I would encourage you to do in response to your question is simply figure out what are you best at, get some people to figure that out, and then when are you at your best, and then go do it. And again, we got a whole unit on that in the High Impact Leader. So hopefully that helps. Hey, we're going to take a couple more questions before we are done this episode.
1: Hello there. I suffered burnout in the last four or five years, and I'm just curious to know how I can go about getting back to normal, at least what I consider normal. And Prior to that, if you could give me any suggestions, I would very much appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Man, I uh, don't know your name, but I, I feel for you. That is a tough one. Um, I suffered burnout about 11 years ago, and uh, I love the way you phrased the question, how can you go getting back to normal, at least what I considered normal? Okay, one of the key things, I think, and th- this, is, this was a big realization for me, when I burned out is you can't actually go back to normal. Because going back to normal will lead you back to burnout. My old normal before I burned out led me to burnout. So when I came out of burnout, I had to figure out a new normal. Because if I worked as many hours as I was working prior to my burnout, if I kept the same patterns, and if I followed the same sort of life rhythm, it would probably lead me right back to burnout. So That is why I became so passionate. That's why I got professional coaching. That's why I read books. That's why I became relentlessly committed to figuring out, okay, what is a new normal? And we talk about this in the High Impact Leader course, but one of the things uh, I'm really committed to is living in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow. That's why I had that little nap in the theater that I talked about. That's why I make sure I get seven or eight hours sleep. That's why when I travel... I pick my flights very, very carefully to make sure that when I show up to speak somewhere or I show up to do something, I am rested. I also plan it in such a way that when I get back and I have to preach on a Sunday or I have to simply be with my family, I can bring them energy rather than just, you know, flop on the couch and die, which is, you know, an old pattern that didn't work. I really had to take rest seriously. I had to take self-discipline and self-care seriously. I had to figure out, okay, how can I do more in less time? Because I still had ambitions. I still had dreams. I wanted to do more with the next phase of my life than I did in the previous phase of my life. But I also understood that working more hours was going to be a failure. So a couple of keys to that. I talk about this again in the course, but um, I had to realize that I have the same amount of time as every other leader in the planet. And that doesn't sound like a big realization, but it was pretty huge for me because, you know, sometimes you look at other people's lives and go, well, of course they can do it because they're so-and-so. But, but think about this. If you became the president of the United States or the prime minister of Canada tomorrow, nobody's going to give you a single minute more than you had before you assumed that office. You can think about it this way as well let's say you're a family person, you get two more kids, surprise, twins. Well, guess what? No, nobody gives you five extra hours a day to handle those twins. You have to figure out how to manage it. The person running the largest company on planet Earth gets 24 hours a day. You get 24 hours a day. And when you look around, you realize, oh my goodness, some people are using their time a lot better than I am. And when I finally looked around and went, oh boy, other people are using their time better than I am, I began to realize... I have to change the way I use time. So what I would encourage you to do is to really try to find a new pattern. Um, Prioritizing rest is really important. Uh, figuring out what you are best at and doing what you're best at while you're at your best. That's really, really important. Uh, Trying to figure out the tasks that give you energy. And again, there's a unit in the High Impact Leader on that that walks you through that. But what are the tasks that give you energy? And then can you spend more time on those tasks? Or can you minimize the amount of time you spend on the things that drain you? As I started to put those disciplines into place, that is when I got a lot healthier and a lot better. And I was able to accomplish a lot more. So I really hope that helps you. I've written about it extensively on my blog. If you just Google my name, Kerry Newhoff, and burnout, a number of articles will pop up. They've got some very, very clear strategies. All that stuff is free. You can definitely get that there. And I would just say, watch for the warning signs. There's been a couple times in the last 11 years where I wondered, hmm, am I moving back into burnout? And as soon as you sense that, sound the alarm bells. I have because the problem, be, you know, with being tired, you can go to bed and get up in the morning and feel better. When you burn out, you lose control. So I would just really encourage you friend to friend to really watch for those warning signs and then try to get a sustainable rhythm that works for you as you move into the future. And I really wish you the best. And, and you know, 11 years on the other side of burnout, I can tell you I've never had more energy. I've never felt better. I've never had more passion. And I feel like the rhythm I found is sustainable. So I really want to encourage you in that and finding that for you. Okay, we're going to jump to a different kind of question. This one is about uh, why I started a blog. Here we go. Question for you, Carrie. What was your motivation in starting your blog? I myself in contemplating starting a blog, and I'm asking myself the question of, why do I want to do this? And I want to help people is a big part of it, but also a part of it is I want to get out there. It's self-promotion. I want to be noticed. I want to build a following that would lead to speaking opportunities and more influence. And so is that a bad thing? And is that a right motivation? I don't want to go in having an impure goal or motivating factor. So what are your thoughts on that and what was your experience? Thanks. All right. I want to tackle this question because whenever you've got a special project, whether that's a blog, maybe you want to write a book, maybe you want to launch your own podcast, maybe you want to take up cycling or exercising or you just want to be off on a day. It usually requires extra time, right? You're like, I don't have the time for that. I don't have time to start a blog. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to start a new hobby. I mean, I used to golf. I don't golf anymore. So, you know, you're in that space where you want to do something, but you feel like you don't have the time to do it. So uh, that's why I wanted to tackle this question. And I thank you for the question. So now I'm going to be really honest with you. You know why I started a blog? Because uh, five years ago in 2012, I read a book called Platform, released by Michael Hyatt that year. And I read it in the summer and I had my own book that was in the process of being published. It was coming out in the fall. I think it was November of 2012. And I thought, you know, I want to learn how to market a book because I had heard publishers don't market your book. So I read Platform and I realized, oh my goodness, if I'm going to sell a single copy of the book, I need, I need some kind of following like publishers don't sell books. Still a pretty good book. I'm sure some of the stuff is dated in it, but it, it's a great book, Platform by Michael Hyatt. So if you haven't read it, definitely worth your while and and definitely something you should have a look at. So I had been blogging for about five years. I actually originally started my blog in 2007 when we were launching Connexus Church as a way to really communicate about the launch of Connexus to uh, the people in our community. And then, you know, I'd followed other bloggers. Like many bloggers, I'd stopped and started and stopped and started. And you know how that goes. And every January, it'd be like, I'm going to blog every week. And then I wouldn't. And you know, March would come around and it would all be in ashes again. So uh, I almost shut my blog down a couple times. But after reading Platform, I thought, you know, I, I guess I have a blog. And if I need a platform to sell a single copy of my book, I guess I could just maybe finally blog. So is that pure motivation or not? I don't know. I mean, I always wanted to help leaders. That's why I wrote the book. Uh, as I blogged, when I did blog, even irregularly, it was to try to help leaders and try to build into them. But, you know, honestly, the, the pressing motivation was, I'm not going to sell any copies of this book. And, and, you know, maybe that's materialistic or superficial, but let's be honest, I don't know a single author who ever wrote a book hoping that nobody would read it, right? If you wrote a book, you would hope somebody would read it. So in September of 2012, I decided, That I was going to start blogging again. And I made a commitment to do it three times a week. I read Platform. My book was coming out in November. This was September of 2012. It's like, I'm going to start blogging three times a week. And I didn't know whether I could do it. But that's when I started to really make a discipline of rolling out of bed at 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And if you've ever written a book, oh my goodness, like when I was trying to finish Leading Change Without Losing It, there were some 4 a.m. mornings. I mean, when you got a deadline, and you got a full-time job, you got to roll out of bed pretty early. And so I, you know, it's not like that was foreign to me. And I had been getting up early for years, but that really pushed the envelope for me. So I started getting up at 5 a.m. because I had a day job I had a full-time job as a lead pastor of Connexus Church. Like I, I got to put in all my time there. So the only time I had to blog was first thing in the morning. And I would often start after my devotions at 5, 530 in the morning, 6 o'clock, within a couple hours, have a post out. And I set a crazy, ambitious traffic goal of a hundred thousand readers in a year, which I thought was like unattainable. But I'm somebody who's motivated by goals, numbers, and specifics. So I thought, well, if I set it that high, then you know, if I hit twenty thousand or thirty thousand or forty thousand, that' that'll be great. And that was an inconceivable number. Well, here's what shocked me was, Within a month, I, I had my highest traffic ever on the blog. I think it was like five or six thousand page views in a month. And I'm like, oh my goodness, over a year, that's like fifty or sixty thousand page views. That's crazy. And and then I kept blogging three days a week, like that was pretty good incentive. And in the first year, I didn't hit hundred thousand. I hit seven hundred thousand page views on my blog. And by that point, it, it was like, wow, I guess I guess I should keep doing this. I think I found something. And you know, fast forward a couple of years, and last year in twenty sixteen, there were three million page views on my blog, and I think two million readers. And then you know, I launched the podcast. Similarly, we've hit two point one million downloads on the podcast, which is which is insane. And uh, you know, in in all of this, uh, I, and again, I am just going to be totally transparent. You guys, I assume most of you are regular listeners we always have to check our motives and I have to check my motives too. But the filter that I have developed, and this is the ultimate answer to the question on motive, is I want to be helpful. I I really want to be helpful. And I think... The internet doesn't lie. If you're not helping people, if it's all about you, then you know what? People go away. They're like, I'm tired of that guy. He's so self-promoting. Am I self-promoting sometimes? Yeah, probably. Um, But ultimately what I want to be, because one day I believe I'll stand before God and give an answer, is I hope I help some leaders. And that's why, you know, I do this. There are days where I'm tired. There are days where I think I got nothing to say, but I've made a commitment to blogging several times a week. I'm down to two a week now because I do the podcast. But, you know, I, I, I do my best. And sometimes you put content out there and you think, ah, I don't know whether this is any good or not. And then all of a sudden you help thousands of people. Had a post like that the other day. And I almost, it was like, ah, I don't even know whether this makes sense. And like two days later, 20,000 people had read it. And obviously, you know, there are other posts I'm really excited about and like 2,000 people read it and it didn't go anywhere. But obviously it caught on because it was helping people. So you got to let the internet be the judge and the internet doesn't lie. People don't lie. If they don't like it, they don't click, they don't share. Uh, But if they do like it, they do share. So that's sort of my motivation journey. And again, it was the principles in the High Impact Leader that really got me to the point that I talk about in the High Impact Leader that got me to the point where I could do stuff like this on a sustainable basis. So I wish you well with your blog. And we actually need help in in leadership and in life. And if you've got some way to help people, I, I hope you become a blogger. I hope you become a writer. I hope you publish a book one day. I think I think that would be great because I've been tremendously helped by other people's books and blogs and podcasts. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm a user as well as a content creator. So it's helped me a lot. All right, we got a fascinating question here about sermon preparation. And and this would be true for anybody who communicates. So have a listen to this quick question. We'll jump back in because I think it's kind of a, a time management question. Here we go.
1: Is it true to prepare, in order to prepare a sermon, it takes 10 hours a day to prepare a sermon without notes?
0: oh man, if it takes 10 hours a day to deliver a message without using notes, man, I'm sunk. Okay. So thanks for the question. I actually have blogged on this. We'll link to it in the show notes, but I've got a post called uh, how to give a talk without using notes or, you know, five strategies or whatever. I forget what the exact title is, but we'll link to it in the show notes and you can just go to kerryneuhoff.com or leadlikeneverbefore.com and you'll find the show notes there. So anyway, uh, yeah, I I do preach often without using notes. Now at Connexus, we have teaching screens. So all I walk in onto the platform with is what is on the screen. That's it. I have no other notes and everything else is in my memory. It does not take me nearly 10 hours a day to prepare without using notes. So uh, I write about it a lot more in the blog post, but let me just tell you this. What you can do if you start to get ahead on your messages, follow the principles in there, such as, you know, work ahead, find a killer bottom line, get two or three big ideas. Because what happens is you're supposed to fill 40 minutes, but at the end of the day, you probably only have a few really key ideas. So to use a different kind of analogy, let's assume... That you're going on a trip and you're gonna go from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where I live, to New York City, New York, New York, okay? That's about a 12 hour, 10 hour trip. So, how do you get there? Well, you can think about every single turn on the road or which highway you need to go to, and Google Maps will get you there. But in terms of just thinking about the broad journey, you know that within a couple hours, you're gonna cross the border. And we would cross the border, let's say at Buffalo, okay, between Fort Erie and Buffalo. And then you want to have lunch and maybe you're going to stop in Syracuse, New York for lunch. So you stop in Syracuse for lunch and then you know you got a long haul all the way through to New York City where you'll have a late dinner when you finally arrive. So breakfast in Toronto, cross the border, we're going to get to Syracuse and going to have lunch and then we're going to make it all the way to New York City. So that's how you often think of a trip, right? Now you've got a million other things. You've got to navigate, you've got to navigate traffic, but you're not thinking about every single car. You're just thinking about the key points along the way, and your peripheral vision and your instincts will take you through all the others. I, I just think that's what a message is like. It's like, okay, uh, my destination is. So, for example, what I wanted to do in my last message, and and it's actually a version of the high impact leader course, is I want people to abandon balance and embrace passion. Okay, so I'm going to start. I'm going to tell them a story. And then I'm going to go into a story in the sermon of John the Baptist and how passionate he was. I'm going to explain why balance wasn't a good idea. And then I'm going to challenge them specifically to embrace everything they do with passion and to abandon the idea of balance. So those are the big ideas of my message in like literally 30 seconds. If I get stuck, I know where I've been and I know where I'm going. Oh, yeah, we were in Toronto for breakfast. We're going to hit the Buffalo border And then we're going to go to Syracuse for lunch. So if you forget a part of your message, it's not a big deal. So uh, I think if you're just really clear on the ideas, your brain will automatically get you there. So for example, this podcast isn't scripted. You can probably tell, but I know the main piece of communication I want to share with you for every answer. And so I don't have to script it. And you behave the same way in conversation, right? Where you want to get a point across to somebody you're talking to and you know how to get there. It'll take you some words to get there, some words to get out of it, and you're done. I think preaching is very similar. Now, the advantage to being hyper-organized and the advantage to managing your time well is if you are starting your sermon on Saturday, <laughs> it's gonna be a lot harder than if you started your service, uh, your sermon on Monday because on Saturday, you're scrambling. You don't even know where you're going. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't know any of that stuff. You're like, ah. I, I barely came up with the subject 24 hours in advance of delivering it. Uh, your brain does not do very well with that. If you start on Monday, you've got five days to digest the message, which is great. Or you could do what I do. I plan an entire series long before it launches. So when when I do part one of a six part series. The other five parts are all outlined, and most of the time, some of the messages themselves are complete. But I've got all the big ideas, all the bottom lines, all the small group questions, all the scripture picked out. I know where I'm going, I know how to get there. So, what that does is like a good stew, it allows the whole series to marinate. And if you work ahead, if you get organized enough to work ahead, you will find that your ability to deliver quality content goes through the roof because these ideas become familiar. You didn't think of it on the way to the church. You thought of it for months. You've been praying about it. You've been working about it. The message has gotten better. And so if you can get ahead and if you can organize your time so that you get weeks ahead, you will become a much better communicator and delivering your message becomes a lot easier. So make sure you check the show notes out for more information on that. But now we're going to go to our very last question, which is this whole time management thing. Is it just for church people? Hi, Gary. Question with regards to this leadership course. I am a believer, but not in the ministry. So, own a family business, electrical contracting business, in leadership, and want to see if this is geared more to ministers, or if it's... uh, leadership course that we could implement with our staff. I appreciate you asking that. And you know what? I think time, energy, and priority management issues are life issues. So my context for two decades has been ministry. And so I speak out of that context. And I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast and read my blog are ministry people, but a lot of you, exactly like you, they're they're believers. They're just not in full-time ministry. I think this is a life issue. So I would hope the high-impact leader can really apply to everybody's life, not just people who are in ministry. And you can adapt the examples. You can figure out what works, what doesn't work. But uh, my goal would be that all of us get time, energy, and priorities working in our favor. So thanks for asking the questions. Hey, we're going to come back with more Ask Carries in the future. Uh, There's a lot more on the blog on time management. Of course, I'm always committed to free. We'll always be talking about these things. But if you want to drill deeper this is your last opportunity to get in on the high impact leader. It starts January. Are you ready? The 16th and goes to the 19th, the Thursday, and then it's going to go away for a while. So uh, you're going to get a great price. We're still going to give it to you for a sale price. And you can join the 1300 and counting leaders who have jumped in on the high impact leader course. And I'm super excited to help you get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. You can get more at thehighimpactleader.com. And if you're listening to this before the launch, make sure you join the wait list because we will bring the information directly to your inbox, as well as a free bonus course on there as well. So there'll be more Ask Carries in the future. Hey, we got a regular podcast dropping real soon again every Tuesday. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so. You can do it for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this helpful, Uh, I'm glad you can leave a rating or review and always open to your feedback. And to leave messages for future Ask Carries, here's what you do. When you go to my blog, carrienewhoff.com or leadlikeneverbefore.com, it goes to the same place. You'll see this little got a question widget. Yeah, just leave a question for me and uh, you may hear yourself soon. Thanks so much. And I really do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before.